I understand that our JBQ uh, took second in the state this week, and so <laughs> praise the Lord for that. What that means is they're studying God's Word, and uh, we're going to use a lot of God's Word this morning. If you did not get a study sheet or a card, uh, could you put up your hand especially? If you didn't get one of these little cards, would you put your hand up? Ushers, we, we've got, wow, a whole bunch of people. Maybe you need two ushers. How many love God's Word? Love God's Word? King David, King of Israel, said God's Word, he loved it more than he loved his necessary food. And uh, when I get on the scale and I see <laughs> the results there, I go, I I must not love God's Word quite enough. Um, and so we're going to get into a lot of the Word this morning. And so how many are ready to read? All right. This will probably be a message that has more of the Word in it than you've heard in a sermon in a long time. You say, well, I'm just reading the Word. What did you just say? Just reading the Word. The, the Word is more important than any preacher will ever say to you. And so we're going to focus on the Word. Um, Pastor Chris started before he went on sabbatical a sermon series called Enjoy. It's about enjoying God in the good stuff and enjoying the good stuff that God provides and this morning, I've, I've made these cards, and on one side it says, enjoy. On the other side, it says, do not enjoy. And if you were to take your life and you were to average it out, which side of the card would you be on? Would your life be one that you have just enjoyed this life? Or would your life be at least 51% you did not enjoy it? Um, no one else needs to know, you, you know, just keep moving around so nobody thinks you're focusing on the, on the do not enjoy. Um, But if you would say that your life is basically one that you, you have not enjoyed your life, it's just been you go to work and you go home and uh, you watch TV, fix something to eat, go to bed too late, say you're not a morning person, you get up, you're late for work, and, and life is just that kind of drudgery, routine, um, I want to share with you how you can move from do not enjoy to enjoy. Um, people today who pick the do not enjoy side, it's probably because they're not living their life the way God intended them to live it. In fact, many people don't even know how God intended for them to live their life. 
They don't know their purpose. They don't know their reason for existence. And the sad thing is that when people don't know how God intended for them to live, they're going to be frustrated. They're going to be discouraged. They're going to have depression. They'll live without purpose. They'll live without meaning. They'll find all kinds of substitutes to fill the void, to, to bring them joy. Isaiah 55 on the study sheet, verse 2, or ver, verse 1 says, Ho, everyone who thirsts. We, we all have this, this unquenchable thirst, this desire. Isaiah said, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. God wants to fill the void in your life, and it won't cost you anything. He wants to bring purpose and meaning into your life and fulfillment and enjoyment, and it won't cost you anything. You won't be buying new cars and new houses and new husbands. Oh, you don't think it costs you to have a new husband? <laughs> you don't think it costs you to have a new wife? He says, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. You see, Isaiah said, if you're trying to find joy to fill the hole in your life, if you're thirsting, the provision is free, and it's just by coming to the Lord. In Isaiah 55, 6, Isaiah said, purpose and enjoyment in life is found in seeking the Lord. He said it's found in calling upon Him. In verse 12, he says, for you will go out with joy. If you and I seek the Lord, if we call on the Lord, he says you're going to go out with joy, and you're going to be led forth with peace. Do you like that? I like that. He says the mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. When you're seeking the Lord, even nature around you worships. He says, all the trees of the field will clap their hands. You know, when I take a walk in the woods and I hear the wind rustling the leaves, I know what that is. That's the trees of the field clapping their hands because I'm there and I've sought the Lord. I've called upon the Lord. Verse 13 says, instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of nettle, the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Enjoyment in life comes from following the intentions of God for our lives. What are his intentions for our lives? Frequently people will ask, what, you know, what's the Lord's will for my life? It's a threefold mandate. Number one, God's first intention is that we might be intimate with him. God just wants us to spend time with him. 
I spend the bulk of my time in conversation and communion with the Lord. And if I'm not talking to people or I'm not working on something, a plan in my life, that I, something I have to do, I'm talking to the Lord and I'm letting the Lord talk to me. A lot of times I'll, I'll be working with people and they'll say, you don't have music going, you don't have ear pods or nose buds or something. You... <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm being intimate with the Lord. I try to continuously be intimate with him all the time. A second intention of God is that we might speak prophetically for him. See, once we spend time with Jesus, we can't help but talk about Jesus. And we must speak prophetically for him. We can't help but proclaim him. And God's third intention is that we might take authority over creation for him. God wants us to operate in power for him. He wants us to do miracles. And so, if, if you're tired of listening to me, you can take your little card and you can go home because there it is. Worship, proclaim, and do miracles. Worship, proclaim, and do miracles brings enjoyment. Threefold mandate started with Adam and Eve in the garden. God created them. What did he create them for? To spend time with him in intimacy. Genesis chapter 2, God created a garden. He put man in it. Genesis 3.8 tells us that God daily would walk in the Garden of Eden and spend time with Adam and Eve. That's why he created Adam and Eve, to be intimate with him, to spend time with him, to worship him. God's second intention for Adam and Eve was for them to speak prophetically for him. Genesis 2.19 and 20 says, And out of the ground... The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, and to the beast of the field. I want you to know it wasn't just a name. I want you to know that when Adam began to name the creatures, he was speaking prophetically over them what they were going to be, what their nature was going to be. Whether they were going to be a snake that bites, whether they were going to be a lion that growls, whether they were going to be a little pussy cat that sits on your lap and does not do a thing you tell it. <laughs> the prophecy that Adam gave was their nature. It was what they were going to be like. And because Adam spent time with God walking in the garden, he had gotten God's mindset. He had gotten God's wisdom and God's knowledge. And when, he, when God says, now name them, how many know when people tell you to do stuff like that, a lot of times we freeze up. Do what? Name all these creatures? As they, you know, they're, they're in a big long line and they're just coming past. But because he had been spending time in intimacy with God, he had God's desire, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, and he began to name them as they should have been named. He was speaking prophetically over them. And God's third intention for Adam and Eve was that they take authority over creation for him. Genesis 1, verse 28, 
And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Subdue it. Rule over it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living creature, every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we see God's intention, God's mandate. They were to take authority over creation. They were to guard it against any attack. And that's God's intention for us. Now let me show you that this threefold mandate is not just Old Testament, it's also New Testament. Matthew 10, 1 to 42. You say, 42 verses? Well, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to read most of them. I'm not going to read all of them. The PowerPoint person, if they get lost, it's my fault, okay? Verse 1, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples... And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Skip to verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them. Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What, what Jesus did here was he said, here's your target audience. Go to the Gentile, don't go to the Gentile, go to the Jew first. Verse 8, he then gives him direction. He says, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So that's what, that's what they were to do. Then he says, do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff. He says, be careful that you don't move your focus from intimacy to acquiring stuff. How many know stuff will take your focus away from the Lord? At least it does me. Yesterday, my focus for a few minutes was taken away from intimacy with the Lord. Why? Because I was cutting the grass. How many know the grass doesn't cut itself? And how many know the mower doesn't start itself? So yesterday when I went to start cutting the grass, I had to jump the mower because the battery was dead. And then when I rolled it out, I realized the tire was flat. Anybody have days like that? So I had to take the tire off. I had to bring it over here to the church building because my air compressor's in the hall over there. Should have been in my garage, but it was over here because I'd been using it here. So I air my tire up. I take it back, and then I saw the axle was dry, so I greased the axle, and I put the wheel back on, and I cut the grass, and something that I thought was going to take me 12 minutes took me over an hour. And it took my focus off of my intimacy with the Lord. You know what? This sermon just turned into about a five-day event. i got to quit doing that. that. None of that is in my notes. Um, verse 12, as you enter a house, give it your greeting. Uh, 
verse 17, beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and, syn- and scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony. Notice that, as a testimony. That means you're going to give your testimony. One of the first songs we sang, this is my testimony. I'll testify. Verse 20, for it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The disciple is not above his teacher. Uh, I'll skip down to verse 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. There's going to be a testimony. Skip down to 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. He who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. You and I, when we are intimate with the Lord, all of a sudden we turn into prophets. Because when we get enough of the Lord in us and we, we've got so much in us, all of a sudden it starts coming out and we start speaking it, we start proclaiming it, we start prophesying it. And the threefold mandate given to Adam and Eve is what we see here. The disciples had been with Jesus. That's intimacy. He called them. Then he sent them out to speak about the kingdom, and it's having arrived. What are we going to proclaim? We're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk about it being Jesus. We live in a world you can't talk about isn't God good. You got to talk about isn't Jesus good. Because there's too many gods out there now. They're not really gods. They're not living gods, but people are going to talk about their God. And you and I have to name who he is. His name is Jesus, that name that's above every other name. At that name, every knee will bow, and at that name, every tongue will confess. And so he was with them, then he sent them out to speak or proclaim, and Jesus also said they were to take authority over demons, sickness, and disease. And that's what being a New Testament Christian is all about. That's what God's intentions are for you and me. Joy in life is when we're with Jesus and we spend time worshiping him. Joy comes when we talk to others about him. Joy comes when we are acting in the power of his name and do miracles. Look at the same thing found in Mark. Mark 6, verses 7 to 13. He summoned the 12. Are you seeing this is like a pattern here? He summons them. He calls them to himself. He summoned the twelve. He began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff. Here again, he's saying, don't let stuff take your focus away. 
No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals. And he added, do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. You know what? When people don't receive your message, when they don't agree with you, shake off that rejection. Rejection will get like mud. You ever walked in mud and you lose your boot? Rejection is like that. Shake it off. Don't live focusing on somebody didn't like you, somebody didn't agree with you. Shake that thing off. He says they went out, verse 12, They went out and preached that men should repent, and they were casting out demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. Here in Mark, you have the threefold mandate again. They were summoned to be with Jesus. He sent them out in pairs to preach that men should repent, that's speaking prophetically, and he gave them power and authority over unclean spirits. And the result is seen in verse 30 of Mark 6. The apostles gathered together with Jesus. They reported to him all that they had done and taught. Even this verse, even though, even when they come back, they're they're talking about the pattern. They were gathered together with him. They spoke. They, they, They described what they spoke about, and then they talked about what they did. And and they're filled with joy over what they just experienced. This is Matthew and Mark. Now look at Luke, chapter 9, verse 1. He called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. The order is a little different, but it's still the same mandate. He called them together. He gave them authority. And he told them to speak or proclaim in his name. See, Jesus lived his life as a pattern for the disciples to follow. Luke 9, 11, but the crowds were aware of this and followed him and welcoming them. He began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. He's with the crowds in intimacy. He spoke prophetically about the kingdom of God and he took dominion or authority healing the sick. And we often think of miracles, signs, and wonders as proofs of the kingdom. And I've preached this. I believe this. Signs are to cause people to wonder about Jesus and his existence so they can come to know him. But you know what? Doing this kind of life is is more than proving to the world. We just do this because we are kingdom people. I do this whether or not somebody comes to Jesus through it. It's who you are as a Christian. You just do this. You're intimate with the Lord. You talk about Jesus. You see, when you've been with Jesus, you got to talk about him. How many remember when you were young and you were either infatuated or in love with somebody and you talked about them all the time and people around you were like, do you have to keep talking about her? 
Well, it's because you really liked them. You were intimate with them in a, in a healthy, pure way, and all of a sudden it causes you to talk about them. When we're intimate with Jesus enough, long enough, over a prolonged period of time, what are we going to talk about? Periodically, I'll talk about a car, but you know what? It's more about Jesus. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is he, the Lord of lords supreme. Throughout eternity and throughout the endless ages, I'll sing his praises. And so, don't see healing and miracles as proof to prove who God is. Just see them as, that's what we do. We proclaim and we do miracles. You may say, uh, I'd never be able to speak prophetically for God. I'd never be able to do miracles, take authority in his name. Well, here's the key. It all comes from spending time in intimacy with the Lord. Adam spent enough time in the garden that when he needed to speak and and name creation, it was there. And when you and I spend enough time with Jesus, when you need to speak, it's going to be there. See, knowing what God wants you to say comes from those times of worship and meditation and waiting on Holy Spirit to speak to you. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, he spent time with God, and he said, it's like a fire in my bones. And he said, I'm going to explode if I don't talk about him. It's my prayer that we as a Radiant Life family, as the Rad family, we get so filled up with Jesus. We get so fired up in in our intimate relationship with him that we feel like we're going to go boom if we don't talk about him. Load up on him tomorrow morning and go to your day and see what happens. All of a sudden, you're looking for opportunities to talk about him. All of a sudden, you're looking for opportunities when somebody says, I got a headache. And you go, here's where you prophesy. I believe that God heals people. See that? That's a prophecy. And then you say, could I pray for you? Statistics say 94% of the people that you ask that question to, they'll say, sure, you can pray for me. Don't be weird. Don't pray in tongues in front of them. You just say, can I put my hand on your shoulder? If they give you this wrinkled look, say, I don't need to do that. And you just stand there and say, I'm going to pray with my eyes open. You you can stand there. And you pray over them. That's doing miracles. So what happens if they're not healed? Well, you know what? You just told them that you care enough about them that you're willing to pray for them. You're willing to become embarrassed for them.
Back to Luke 10, we see it starts out just like Luke 9. Remember that things in Scripture, they're important if they're repeated from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This is a hermeneutic class, okay? All of a sudden, some of you are going, hermeneutics is principles of Scripture. Anyway, forget that. But hermeneutic principle is, if it's repeated in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's important. It's also important if multiple authors write about it. So we've had Moses, who wrote Genesis, and we've had Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They've all wrote about it, so it must be important. And the more times it is repeated means it's more important. I can't tell you how many times it's repeated all through Scripture. This is important. Luke 10, verses 1 to 9. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others. To appoint them, they had to be there with him. And then he sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. You know what? The Lord wants you to be intimate with him tomorrow so you can proclaim him tomorrow so that he can go there. He didn't go to any of these places that he had not sent people ahead of him to proclaim him. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no belt, no bag, no shoes. Greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a man of peace is there, and your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the labor is worthy of his wagers. Here again, they're not to be trying to get rich. Whatever city you enter, they receive you. Eat what is set before you. And here's here's the doing miracles. Heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. That's the declaration. That's the proclamation. Intimacy, verse 8. Take authority over, verse 9. Speak prophetically for. Let me go back to Matthew just one more time. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is what we call the Great Commission. Most of you can quote it. It's a threefold mandate of God's intentions for us just before Jesus left for heaven. Verse 18, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus got with them and talked with them. Again, that's intimacy. Jesus said he had all authority, and he now gave it to them. Then Jesus told them to speak, to declare the kingdom. Did the mandate change then after Jesus returned to heaven? No. Acts 1 is the same thing. Acts 1, 4, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which... He said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Thank the Lord for that. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs 
which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. In verse 4, he gathered them together. He said they were to be his witnesses, that they would be speaking, that, that means they would be speaking prophetically for him. And then he told them that they would receive power promised by the Father. And, you know, here's the miracle part. So even Jesus, in giving the Great Commission, it's intimacy, it's speaking for, and it's doing miracles in his place. First four books in the New Testament are what we call the Gospels. And they were written for us to see the working of the Holy Spirit through the life of Jesus. In the book of Acts, there comes a change. Jesus is no longer on earth. And 27% of the book of Acts is given to healing and miracles performed by the apostles. And so in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus came to teach us how to do the kingdom. He came to teach us what the Christian life is to be about. He came to teach us and show us how to enjoy life. In Acts, the disciples replicated what Jesus had shown them. And then, and, and this morning, I want to challenge you to a life of fulfillment, a life of joy. Your life and my life are to be lives of intimacy with God speaking prophetically for him and having dominion over the powers of the evil one in his name. What's your life like? Your life and my life are to be lives of intimacy with God, speaking prophetically for him and having dominion over the powers of the evil in his name. Numerous times in the passages we just read, Jesus talked about not going after stuff that's going to distract us, that don't bring joy, and they actually get in the way of really bringing enjoyment. See, life really becomes enjoyable when we function fulfilling God's intentions. Is every day in your life an adventure? Boy, to me, every day in my life is an adventure. Is, is Ray here this morning? Guy drove the concrete truck? Ray, you promised me you'd be here. But life's an adventure. Why? Because I'd been with Jesus. Ray was delivering concrete for the foyer. And what did I do? I began to proclaim Jesus, talking about the kingdom, inviting Ray to come to church. Then what did we do? We prayed over him. We laid our hands on him. You say, well, when you put it like that, it doesn't sound that hard. It's not. It's just being a Christian. It's just doing kingdom. It's getting filled up every morning. It's speaking, talking about Jesus, 
and is praying over people for miracles to happen. See, you know, every day ought to be an expedition. Um, and I want to encourage you, don't say, I don't want to be that radical. I don't really want to be that much of a Christian. I just want enough of God and Jesus to get me to heaven. Then you're not going to enjoy church. You're not going to enjoy prayer meetings. You're not going to enjoy worship music. Why? You, You just want enough of Jesus to be your fire escape. And my challenge is this morning... You become a kingdom person. You start getting intimate with Jesus to the point you got to talk about him, to the point you want to you bring a miracle into somebody's life. Take your card. And I'd like to challenge you. Take your card and put it in your wallet where you'll see it every day or tape it to your dashboard I used to witness the guys because I'd pick up hitchhikers. You don't do that now, but where I, you know, when I grew up, you could pick up hitchhikers, and I taped scripture verses to my dashboard, and they'd get in and start reading. Tape it to your dashboard. Tape it to your bathroom mirror. And as you're getting ready, as you're Wherever you are, think about it. Have I, have I spent enough time in worship that I can't contain my love for Jesus and i got to talk about him? And then i got to pray for somebody? I want to challenge you. 30 days. 30 days. You know, practice the intentions. And here, here's a guarantee. How many, how many like guarantees? My guarantee? Boy, a lot of you like guarantees. Here's the guarantee. If, if you do the pattern for 30 days and your life is not more enjoyable at the end of 30 days, I'll give you your old do not enjoy life back. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8 is about being with Jesus, and then Jesus said it as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Would you stand with me? I ran a little over. Pastor Chris has been running over. When he said he wanted to do our services, I said, you're nuts shouldn't tell your pastor he's nuts so at that point he wasn't my pastor he was my son and this morning I I don't know about you but I'm, I'm full of Jesus I just love Jesus I'm so thankful for my salvation I'm so thankful that 
One day I'm going to be absent from this body and I'm going to be present with the Lord. Isn't that great? And what I want you to do right now is I want you to practice being a kingdom person. In a moment, you're going to turn and you're going to prophesy to people around you. You wouldn't really do that. Yeah, I would. You're going to say to somebody, God loves you. And he's thinking about you. You're going to say to somebody, you're going to have a good week. You say, well, that's not prophecy. Yeah, it is. You're declaring in their lives. You're going to declare to somebody. So right now, let the Holy Spirit begin to put within you what you're going to declare. And then after you've declared the goodness of the Lord, say, is there anything I can pray with you about? Because they may be saying, I got this terrible thing that I'm looking at at work this week. You pray a miracle. You pray a miracle. You say, Dave, I've never done anything like this in my life. You practice at church so you can go to work. Everything we do here is practice to go to work. It's practice to go to school. It's practice to go to the store. Lord Jesus, right now, let your glory fill each heart. Let your glory fill each heart. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to turn and I want you to go just talk to somebody. Go talk to somebody. Come on, move. If you don't move, I'm going to come get you. Come on, do it. If you don't want to do it with your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or whatever, just find somebody and tell them, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God wants to give you a good week this week. Accept it. Is there anything I can pray for you? Is there anything I can pray with you about? And then pray the power. Pray the anointing. Pray healing. Pray deliverance. Pray victory. Pray success. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Okay, when you're finished praying for that person or your friends, how many feel more joy right now than you did when you came in? How many feel more joy right now than when you came in? Well, you should. 
The worship should have just done that. He said, well, that scared me to death. That's okay. You're a kingdom person. It's an adventure. It's an expedition. You're going where you don't know where you're supposed to be going. You're doing something totally new. Hallelujah. 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 If you, get, if you forget what the message was about, remember, tape it to your dashboard, tape it to your mirror, put it in your wallet. Worship. Be intimate. Proclaim. Do miracles. It's who you are. It's who I am as a Christian. This is the kingdom. We're doing kingdom. We're doing kingdom. If every one of us does this this week, how many think there's going to be more miracles than last week? Yeah, there's going to be a lot more miracles this week. There's going to be a lot more people here about the kingdom. careful what you watch careful what you listen to because you can run off your intimacy real quick you can mess up your intimacy real quick by watching stuff you shouldn't watch and listening to stuff you shouldn't listen to be careful what you talk about savor the presence of Jesus First song we sang was about the presence of the Jesus. The last song we sang was about the presence of Jesus. You ready to go to your world? Your world needs you. Your world needs you. Your world's dying and they're headed to hell. Your world needs you. I can't get to the people you know. So it's up to you. This, this is scary. Well, that's what a good, that's what a good movie does. Scares you to death. Come on, come on. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Our state women's ministries director will be sharing with us. Don't miss that. Um, if you're new to the church and you've never had an experience where you met with the pastors in the glass room right on the other side of that wall, uh, that's going to start in about two minutes. So party with the pastors for all of our uh, new folks. The pastors would love to meet with you, introduce themselves, find out a little bit about you. God bless you. Love all of you. Thanks for being in the house of the Lord today. Go do the kingdom.